And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome, welcome to this morning's broadcast. Glad you could join us. The ancient church located at Sardis is the focus in Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Please turn in your Bibles to Revelation chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. We are taught to ask, do I have an heir to hear God's word? God's word for me, as it is found in the Bible? There were some dead pretenders in the assembly at Sardis. These are probably some in many of our local churches today. And now, with his message for this morning, our senior pastor, Robert Elliott. Let me just say this by way of introduction. The car was definitely illegally parked. And the parking enforcement officer knew it and slapped the ticket on the windshield of the parked car. She didn't really think much about it until hours and hours later when she came back to that particular street, the car was still sitting there illegally parked. So she radioed for a tow truck to come and remove the car, which happened. What was odd was that when the tow truck operator hitched the car to the truck, there was a person behind the wheel. And so the tow truck operator went to tap on the glass, but there was no response. You see, someone had shot the driver and he was dead behind the wheel of the illegally parked car. Dead, but pretenders. Hear the word of God. Revelation 3, 1 to 6. To the angel of the church in Sardis, right? He who has seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this. I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen the things that remain, which were about to die, for I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. So remember what you have received and heard and keep it and repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life. And I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The ancient city of Sardis was an interesting place. They had an emperor cult worship, as did some of the other ancient cities we've been looking at in the first two and three chapter of Revelation. It was a compulsory worshiping of the Roman emperor as if he were God. Sardis was into that idolatry as well. The city was 1,500 feet above sea level. It was the capital of the Lydian kingdom for many years because of its military vantage point. They were into the production of wool garments. They made beautiful wool garments in Sardis. And they were a proud city, proud of their accomplishments, proud of their citizens. And we're going to see how that pride worked itself out as we get into this passage. What about the church at Sardis? We've been learning in these letters to local churches of the past that God has his people everywhere. God has you where he has you for reasons. God has put Milford Bible Church where he has put us as a family to be reflectors of Christ's light and messengers of the gospel. God has his people everywhere, and no surprise, God had his people in Sardis. What were they like? 
Well, these six verses of chapter three tell us. Basically, in the first place, the majority of the church in Sardis were spiritually dead. We see that in verse one. Then there was a minority in that church at Sardis that were spiritually alive, but they were in danger. They were spiritually alive, but they faced a real danger. We see that in verses two and three. And last, of that minority who were spiritually alive in the church at Sardis, there were believers who were not in danger. They were walking worthy of their calling. And we see that in verses four and five. Have you noticed that the tag final closing thought on all the letters so far to the ancient local churches in the book of Revelation close with the tag, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. When we study all seven churches eventually, we'll see that all seven churches have that closing salutation from the Spirit of God and the risen Christ. Let he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This tells us, does it not, that in every church, ancient or modern, in every church, there are people who do not have ears to hear what the Spirit says. Sometimes that inability to have an ear to hear what the Spirit says is based on spiritual deadness, as we're going to see in this church of Sardis. But other times, there are people who are spiritually alive, they're regenerate, they're born again believers, but they lack an ear to hear what the Spirit of God says because of disobedience or because of dullness. Any of us who have raised kids know that sometimes our kids' hearing checks out fine at the doctor, but they have a dullness of hearing when you tell them to do something. So it is in the church, generally speaking. Now, we need to ask ourselves as we get into looking at what happened and what was written to Church of Sardis, we need to ask ourselves, do I have an ear to hear what the Spirit says to me this morning, every morning, every day until I go to be with Christ? Do I have an ear to hear what the Spirit wants to say to me through his word? That's a big question. The hymn writer said, trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. And so when we trust Jesus to be our Lord and Savior from sin, that's the beginning of an adventure called the Christian life. But we then have to walk step after step in the spirit of obedience. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Could it be in my life or in your life that there is something that God has shown us in his word that we are to obey, and we have an obedience blockage. Sometimes if our hearts have blockages, they need stents or angioplasts and procedures like that because a blocked artery is a serious thing. Do we have an obedience blockage? Only you can answer before God to that question if you have an obedience blockage. If there's something the word of God has shown you you should do and you're not doing it, do it. God will hold you at that point of obedience blockage until you obey and submit. And then he'll move you on to the spiritual growth and maturity and conformity to the image of Christ that he intends for all of us. So let's go back to the three points I overviewed about this ancient church at Sardis. The first point, remember, is that the majority of the church were spiritually dead. Look again at verse one, would you? He who has 
the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, I know your deeds, that you have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. This church had the reputation that they were spiritually alive, and some of them were, but the majority of the people in this local church were dead. The spirit of God said so. It's like in Ephesians 2.1 when it tells us that you were dead in your trespasses and your sins. Recall that death is separation. There's three kinds of death. Physical death is a separation of the body from the soul and the spirit. We go to the funeral home to pay respects only to the body. The soul and spirit have separated from it in physical death. Spiritual death is what was going on in Sardis. People who were physically alive had dead spirits. Their spirits were separated from a holy God due to their sin. They came to church alive, looking fine, but they were spiritually dead. God said so. Eternal death, the third kind of death, is the separation of the resurrected soul, spirit, and body from God in a literal place the Bible calls hell forever and ever of conscious torment. Those are the three kinds of separation, the three kinds of death. The church of Sardis was suffering from spiritual death. He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Verse 2. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain, which were about to die, for I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of God. Jesus, when he looked at the Pharisees, do you remember some of his most stern and um, aggressive admonitions were against the religious uppity-ups of his day, the Pharisees. He looked at them and he said, you are whitewashed tombs. You are places that hold the dead in reality inside, but have been painted on the outside to look nice. The church at Sardis was spiritually dead, but they looked okay from the outside. Now, I just wonder, when you have a church back then that had spiritually dead people in it, how did they do works? Risen Christ says, I know your works. I know your deeds. Well, they dead people, the spiritually dead people couldn't do works. Dead people don't do deeds. But what was happening was that the works of the entire congregation, that a congregation that included some people who were spiritually alive, the works of those who were spiritually alive were being erroneously attributed to the spiritually dead people who were beside them in the pews. Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning, this is Pastor Nicholas, and we're going to pick up where we left off two weeks ago as we considered a call to holiness. And we consider how Jesus impacted the culture and how Jesus is praying on behalf of his disciples. He recognizes that he is now going to be leaving them. But he's praying because he understands that as he leaves them, they need to impact the culture. They need to impact the world. And he recognizes that they do not need to be pulled out of the world or or be in a place by themselves, but they need to be there and impact, and he's praying for their protection. And we left off at verse 15, but we want to pick up at verse 16, and it says this, They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Again, this is is a a passage or, or people always, you know, say this in a roundabout way, But this is what it's saying. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. You see, we need to understand that as we are in this world, 
We should not be of this world. We should not be following the patterns of this world. We should not be following after our own desires, our own flesh, our own lusts, whatever it may be. In fact, Timothy talks about us being flee youthful lusts, flee youthful desires, because this is what the world is throwing at us. And verse 17 is very clear. It says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Again, as Jesus is talking to his disciples, he's telling them that you need to be sanctified. You need to be set apart. You need to be different from the world. And the only way you're going to be different from this world is by the truth, by the word of God. The question comes this morning as as you are listening to this is, how much of the word of God do you know? And when I say no, I'm talking about really no, because I think too many times we think that the word of God says this and we make up our own moral rules sometimes that we think the word of God says, but really that verse is not in the Bible. Because I think sometimes we just go by morals instead of what the word of God says. And the word of God is God's holy word. And it's supposed to be cherished. It's supposed to be something that we understand that makes an impact in our lives. Verse 18 says, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. Here, Jesus is again saying, I'm sending my disciples to preach the gospel, to tell the world about you. And I need you to protect them. I need you to be with them. But they need to understand that they need to know the word of God. I think too many times in our own churches, as we think about in this country, I think that we know so much about the Bible, because a lot of us that grew up in Sunday school, we have heard the gospel message. And I think sometimes it doesn't really make an impact because I think that we think that, you know, once I'm saved, I have my fire insurance, I'm okay. But the reality is, is that we're not just talking about a fire insurance, we're talking about really being set apart for the word of God and for God himself. We need to understand that the word of God is the washing of us. It's the only thing that can purify us because I think that we need to understand as we fill our minds with so much junk that the culture is thrown at us, if we're not filling it with the word of God, then we are going to fall very quickly. And Jesus understands that about his disciples. He knows that they have walked with him. They have seen him do so much. But yet, now he is leaving them. He's getting ready to be betrayed. He's getting ready to face the cross, to die for our sins. Verse 19 says, I sanctify myself for them, so that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Again, Jesus set the example. He set the example for how they should live. He set the example for them to recognize that he's not just telling them what to do, but he's showing them. He showed them through his life. He showed them what it means to even eat with sinners and not give in to temptation. You see, Jesus set the example for all of us. Jesus set the example for all of us in in the culture and the world that we live in to recognize that just because we live in this world doesn't mean we have to follow the patterns of this world, but he has called us out of this world. He has called us to live a life of holiness, to be sanctified. And he's also showed us how to live. And he has left his word for us to show us how to live. And to just close this morning as we consider one verse from the book of Psalms. Psalms 119, 105. It says this, says, Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. You see, we need to understand that God's word shows that it's a lamp. It shows us how we are to live. It shows us how, where are we to go. 
It's the path to our life. You see, we live in a world where if you're anything like me, when we think of instructions or directions, wherever it may be, it's the last thing that we go to. When, we, when all else fails, then you get the instructions. But when we consider God's word, we should go to God's word first for instruction and to show us how we are to live because it is the lamp. It is the guide for us. It shows us everything. It reveals everything in our lives for us. You know, which, which for me personally, I have been challenged lately to understand that even as Psalm 119, 11 says, I need to treasure your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. You see, we need to recognize that God's word is a treasure for us. And I want to ask you this morning, as you consider this, what is it that you treasure? If you love something, if you treasure something, what are you going to do? You're going to do your best to hold on to it. You're going to do your best to do what you can to, to bring honor to that person. So what about God's word? Do you treasure God's word? Do you understand that God's word shows us how we are to live, how we are to, to be a light in this world? It's our guide. It's our instruction. And it shows us how we are not to sin against God. Again, I think that as we consider Jesus and culture, we need to recognize that Jesus never told any of us to just stay away from it. But he told us to make an impact for it. He told us to go out and reach the world with the gospel of Christ. And I would challenge you this morning, as you consider this word, as you consider this series that we've been talking about, ask yourself that question. How can I impact the culture around me? How can I impact people? How can I impact my family? How can I impact those people on the school team that I'm with? Because I think that for us, we need to understand that wherever God has you, you can make a difference. This is Pastor Nicholas, and you've been listening to Utah. And now, today's ministry spotlight. We're in the middle of a conversation between Pastor Elliot and Rondo Darville, who is the founder and executive director of the Bahamas Guard Parent Center. We will resume from where we left off last time. Right now, we have a pediatrician that works with us. Wonderful. He... I was taking my granddaughter, actually, mm-hmm. to his, his offices, and we shared what we were doing, and he loved what we was doing, and he said, hey, I want to be a part of this. So right now, he will see our clients and their babies as long as they're with us. That's a major blessing. That is. Yes. Wow. I wonder if there might be a physician listening this morning who loves Jesus Christ and is pro-life yes. and uh, OBGYN physician specifically. Or maybe there's a physician who's not OBGYN and they know yes. a colleague that is this pro-life. Yes. That'd be great. I wonder what would happen if every woman listening to us this morning when she went to see her OBGYN <laughs> said, hey, there's this pro-life ministry called yes. the Bahamas Godparents Center that could really... Use a physician advisor, yes. uh, and would you consider praying about that? Or yes. that would be pretty, pretty amazing. That would be amazing. Wonderful. We'll leave that with the Lord. Uh, <laughs> there are no finer hands to leave that in. Amen. Now, I know that in talking with you off air, Rhonda, that mm-hmm. um, there is a mindset in the Bahamas that has been here a long time, which is you don't air your dirty laundry. Correct. You don't air your dirty laundry, um, and I wonder from your experience. Um, what are some of the things, the main things that you see that Bahamians uh, don't air their dirty laundry? 
Well, across the board, it's 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 everything. Um, but when you're talking specifically with the family, um, you will find that there's been years and years of incest, molestations, mm-hmm. um, never reported. Just you know, the person's never said anything. And again, I I, I guess I it, I can come back to educating. You know, I had a similar situation, and so I didn't know. I didn't know. So if you don't know what to do, you do nothing mm-hmm. a lot of times. But you, you don't tell anybody. So people haven't told and they haven't shared. But what's happened, and I've seen this in multiple families, it's happened again. Yes. So I, as a grandmother, never said anything. Okay? Mm-hmm. And I never found help for it. And then it happened to my grandchild, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. or it happened to my great-grandchildren yes. over and over. You know, um, sex, again, that's a big issue in the Bahamas. People don't talk. We talk about it in a de- degrading way, but yeah. we don't talk about it in an educational way. Yes. You know, and we, we will castigate people who are in these situations instead of trying to figure out what is their situation. Every Everybody didn't just make a choice that I'm going to go out there and do these things. Yes. A lot of my clients come in and they've suffered some sort of abuse from people they know, teachers, religious leaders, mm-hmm. you know, family members. Mm-hmm. And it's prevalent and we're not addressing it. You know, how does a 14-year-old girl become pregnant. She's not pregnant just because she's a fast girl. Right. She's not fast, you know, a lot of times. Or again, we come from, you know, one of the things, you know, as a Bahamian, my great grandmother lived on Fritz Lane, which is one of the corners right behind our church. Yes. Okay. And she was the matriarch. And, and all of us, most of us come from a matriarchal family. Women-led family. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so... A lot of them are single. Yes. But it was accepted in that day. Mm-hmm. Most of us, we went to school, we got educated, and we moved out of those environments. Okay? But we left some people there. Yes. And we haven't gone back. Mm. Okay? So that's one of the things here, too. We haven't gone back into those societies to help somebody up. Mm. We're, we've, we've, we've bought into the m- mindset that I'm going to take care of me and mine mm-hmm. and forget everyone else. Mm-hmm. You know? And so a lot of these things happen because we haven't gone back and educated our own. You know, the people who are like us, who have been in, in the places that we have been. You know, so those are some of the things. That's really uh, quite a word picture for me. I think of the U.S. military who have a credo or a, mm-hmm. an, an ethic, an ethos that you don't leave any soldier behind. No one left if some, behind. Yeah, if someone's wounded in battle, you don't yeah. leave them to die in, behind an enemy line. You, t- you get them back no matter what. Right. And then there was an educational initiative uh, years ago in the U.S. <laughs> and no child, left, no behind. child left behind. So you're saying that there are plenty of Bahamians that yes. have been left behind when it comes to... Yes. Um, being educated and encouraged and believed in. Yes. You know, I have a client right now, um, beautiful young woman, Uh beautiful young woman. She works. She has a full-time job. Mm -hmm. She has two kids. We're working with her. Um, She's trying to um, get herself situated. But her mother was a single mother. Mm -hmm. And, but she's also trying to help her sister who is her mother's child Uh also. Uh So she's trying to bring her 
forward. Mm-hmm. You know, she doesn't have the best educational um, background, but she's now back in school mm-hmm. again. So she's a full-time mother. Mm-hmm. She's working. Mm-hmm. She's taking care of her little sister, too. Mm-hmm. And she's back in school. Superwoman. Okay. But if you just see her with her kids, most people would say, She's no good, Mm. but this is a strong young woman. Mm -hmm. How do we empower her? Mm -hmm. How do we give her the tools to say, continue on so that she can do something different? That's all the time we have for today. We'll pick up from there next time, Lord willing. For more information on the Bahamas Guard Parent Center, you can phone them at 698-4306. It's time for answers to your questions. We urge you to take a moment and get a pen and paper and take down the references used so that you can do your own study later on. We here at Echoes of Calvary are always excited to receive your letters of support and your questions, which we seek to answer right away and also here on the show. You can send us your letters at eocradio at gmail.com That's eocradio at gmail.com Today, Pastor Elliot draws from Carl Laney's excellent book, Answers to Tough Questions. This book was published back in 1997. And once again, here is Pastor Robert Elliot. I have a question based on Acts chapter 23, verses 2 through 5. They read, And the high priest Ananias commanded those standing beside him to strike him on the mouth. Then Paul said to him, God is going to strike you, you whitewashed wall, and do you sit to try me according to the law and in violation of the law order me to be struck? But the bystanders said, Do you revile God's high priest? And Paul said, I was not aware, brethren, that he was high priest, for it is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. The question is, why didn't Paul recognize the high priest? Some have wondered why Paul did not recognize the high priest during his examination before the Sanhedrin. The high priest would have been dressed in his distinctive robes, Why then did Paul say, I was not aware, brethren, that he was the high priest? It has been suggested that Paul's eyesight had deteriorated to such a point that he could not see clearly. This may have been due to the blinding vision on the road to Damascus. Paul refers to his vision difficulty in Galatians chapter 4, verse 15. Another possible interpretation of Paul's remark is that he simply was saying, I didn't think the high priest would speak like that. Either way, Paul ceased his verbal protest when informed that he was reviling the high priest. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m., and 11 a.m. in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at 
eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior. Savior.